This is Reaching the Finish Line. And I'm your host, Callan Dix. Check out the website, www.reachingthefinishline.com. And pick up my free report. Save up to 75% what they don't want you to know. Reachingthefinishline.com. And welcome. Today I am delighted to have Greg McPherson. Greg McPherson is the CEO of MintoQ. Very excited to talk about this. He's also has been the COO of Pharmacy One Limited. And now he is running uh, MintoQ. If you don't know what MintoQ is, MintoQ is the first antioxidant formula able to penetrate the mitochondria to deliver antioxidants at meaningful levels. And uh, it's definitely uh, something that I'm very happy to talk about as health is definitely uh, plays a huge role in helping us reach the finish line. You know, we often can definitely, uh, you know, do all of the affirmations and we can listen to all the Tony Robbins and uh, we can definitely, you know, you know, try to learn from all the the business strategies from a, a lot of the great guests we had on. But, you know, if your health is not in order, none of that matters. And I'm definitely happy to have someone who's definitely, uh, you know, doing great things in the medicine field. Greg, welcome. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Awesome. Greg, let's go back in time. How did you get started? And as far as, you know, you know, you know, or, or what kind of inspired this kind of creating uh, a health supplement? You know, were your parents kind of really into health or did your parents have health challenges? Let's start there. Yeah, for sure. So, um, not like my parents were really healthy, but uh, I just got really interested in, in I guess, helping people. Um, I'm a pharmacist by trade, so I went off to uh, Otago University in New Zealand and, and did my time down there. But uh, really, the, the driver was, um, you know, helping people out. I could see that um, a lot of people. I, I grew up in a very small community of three thousand people in New Zealand, mm. and. Um, Certainly could see um, people struggling with their health. Um, I've always been interested in business, and uh, pharmacy is a great mix of, of both business and helping people and helping them with their health. Mm-hmm. You know, Greg, I've often learned that, you know, I don't know how it is in New Zealand. You know, uh, you're actually the first Kiwi that I've had on the show. You know, I definitely, definitely I love my Kiwis over there. Um, <laughs> but you're, at, but you know, the, the kind of the perception over here in the United States is like pharmacists don't really have a good reputation. You know, I mean, I, I think maybe it's because kind of the pharmaceutical industry here in the United States. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if it's the same way over there in New Zealand, but I'm very curious. You know, what is the perception over there of a pharmacist in New Zealand? Is it very similar to the United States or is it completely different? Yeah, look, uh, it's, it's hard to say uh, comparing it with the States, but uh, I think they do surveys here of, you know, the most uh, trusted uh, professions and usual thing is politicians sit at the bottom and I think uh, was it firemen at the top or whatever but uh, pharmacy comes in fairly high up here um, we have a fairly good reputation I think to uh, as as people who um, are fairly trusted individuals but I also understand I mean with the pharmaceutical companies etc that there is some some reputational issues with that um, however um, you know if you, you peel back the layers um, most of these companies are uh, you know, you know, uh, are assisting us with our health. I know we're all uh, living longer and living healthier um, these days, and, and that's a big part of it. 
Yeah, and uh, and, and then also too, like you have different types of pharmacy. Like I've heard of like holistic pharmacy. I've heard of traditional pharmacy. Perhaps you could shine some light on it, especially for a person like me, or even someone who could be listening right now who really don't know the the the, the broad scope of a pharmacy. Yeah, look, it's American pharmacy is very different to uh, New Zealand pharmacy. I know you, um, in America, you guys pay a lot for your medicine. Yes, so, uh, we do. Or <laughs> it's insanely expensive. And we look at the pricing of uh, products up in your neck of the woods, and it's—I just shake my head. I can't believe it because down here, um, medicine is a whole bunch cheaper. Um, if you pop into your pharmacy, um, you can pay anything from three dollars for a prescription up to say fifteen dollars. Um, and the government pays the rest, so it's, a, it's 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 quite a different conversation going into the pharmacy here, and wow. um, really, yeah. So pharmacy here is uh, is, is is very much around uh, just be, being the okay, the guys that curate your health. You know, if you've got an issue with your medicine, we we we're there to basically uh, discuss it with you, help you uh, deal with the side effects. Um, that sort of thing. So quite different. And obviously, if you're not having to pay, you know, 500 bucks when you visit your pharmacy, it's a much more pleasant uh, trip. And uh, um, and so that's, I think, what drives um, the difference between, say, pharmacy in New Zealand um, and, and America. And we, we certainly are the first point of contact if people have got a particular health condition. It's much cheaper and easier just to pop down to the local pharmacy and have a chat to the pharmacist. And, and that's what most people do. Yeah, definitely. I definitely think when it comes to the healthcare system, the U.S. definitely can learn uh, a few things uh, from countries like uh, Australia and New Zealand. And uh, I'm also curious, too, um, Greg, uh, in the U.S., I believe you have to do eight years uh, to get uh, like to become a pharmacist. Is that the same case with uh, in New Zealand or was it like six or seven years? I'm not sure. That's why I'm asking you. Yeah, for sure. So it's five years uh, of training to be a pharmacist in New Zealand. Oh, wow. Yeah, so quite different. We, I think um, I've actually, I came up to the States when I was 21. It was my last year of pharmacy school and did six weeks in California looking at all the different um, options for pharmacy uh, in that state. And uh, it was quite a, a culture shock because, yeah, I mean, the pharmacists in, in the California, and I guess it's the same in the States, spent you know, seven or eight years becoming yeah. out as doctors of pharmacy. Um, so I'm a bachelor of pharmacy, and I could have gone and carried on and, and become a doctor of pharmacy, but uh, I, was, I was itching to get into the business world. So uh, that, that was where uh, I finished my training and, and, and dove straight into the into, into into getting into pharmacy and, and starting a pharmacy. Right, and I really I really commend you on that. I really think it's important to really get into the industry as quickly as possible, so that way you can really know if you're going to like. A career as such, you know, if a person, you know, uh, if if a person, you know, let's say they do a few years of pharmacy, and you know, let's say they get into it as a pharmacy technician, or maybe some other similar related career, and then they realize that they don't like it, well, at least they, at least they didn't make, at least they didn't go through the whole doctor's degree, the program, just to realize they don't like it, you know. So it's definitely great to get in the field as quickly as possible to really confirm and to see uh, if this is something that a person can see themselves doing uh, ultimately for the rest of their lives. So uh, I think, you know, I think that's great uh, that you got in there. Uh, what, let's talk about, you know, kind of getting into, kind of getting into uh, your uh, 
kind of life as a pharmacist you know explain that what is that like because because i mean it's so interesting you know a lot of people who are a lot of people who do listen are from the u.s and we also have you know listeners around the world um south africa philippines and that such but you know a lot of people often look to the kind of the the, you know uh especially the, the neighbor countries the u.s as a model you know what is pharmacy like in new zealand because you stated that i mean you just stated that definitely uh there is like a subsidized pay, which which you know is definitely a brush of fresh air to pay three dollars instead of fifteen dollars. Um, but what 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 are some other distinctions that you have seen between the U.S. and uh, New Zealand? Okay, I think the um, it's it's a, just such a community based service in New Zealand. Um, we you know pharmacists become um, very um, connected with the local community. They uh, um, often. Like I said earlier, they were the first people that you see when you've got a particular health issue, mm-hmm. and and if you're particularly unwell, um, you know the pharmacist is there to essentially uh, help you get your head around mm-hmm. what you know your health condition, how you can take control of it, because I think that's really important. Um, you know, a lot of people think that you know drugs are the are the final, the final, uh, you know the final solution, but really. Um, whole bunch of things. I mean, really, it's getting people exercising, it's getting people eating properly, and and then finally, it's um, just making sure those those medicines really, you know, work and suit. And, and when they don't work or if they stop working, how to handle that and what to do. Um, but it's, it's you know, it's fr- from that perspective, it's an extremely rewarding um, profession. And uh, you know, you get home at the end of the day, and you, you know, you've made a difference. You've helped a bunch of people. So, so you know, I think, and, and probably pharmacy around the world is, is fairly similar. What we don't have in New Zealand uh, is, is significant levels of, uh, is it mail order pharmacy? So most pharmacists, um, or most people get their uh, pharmacy services directly from uh, the, the local community. That's great. That's definitely refreshing to hear. Have you ever thought about talking to your ideal customers as a podcast guest? Marketing at its heart, is starting a conversation with someone who can be an ideal customer. Today, there's no easier or more effective way to be interviewed on podcasts that your potential prospects are already listening. If you want to turn listeners into leads, check out Interview Valet. They are the leaders in podcast interview marketing. That's interviewvalet.com and start leveraging the power of podcasting as a feature certified guest. Also, let's talk about some of the education opportunities because maybe maybe people listening, Greg, and they say, you know what, you know, I really like, you know, uh, you know, so far what he's been saying uh, about kind of the pharmacy uh, industry, the pharmaceutical industry in New Zealand. Maybe I should consider maybe staying abroad. Maybe I should, maybe I should, you know, get my degree abroad. You know, what is that like, you know, for education? Because you know, I, you know, as we just talked about previously, it's about seven to eight years really to get a doctorate. Uh, in the U.S. for pharmacy, and you said that it's significantly uh, shorter uh, to to get such uh, in New Zealand. Uh, you know, what is that like? You know, also what it's like. You know, being being a native uh, Kiwi, what is it like as far as tuition costs? What is that like as well? You know, and and, and do you see it being as a better alternative uh, for Americans uh, to study abroad in a place like New Zealand for pharmacy as opposed to studying uh, back in their home country? Yeah, so like, I think uh, we actually have quite a few foreign students come to New Zealand, and pharmacy is quite a unique um, sector. I mean, you can obviously go down and, and get in the dispensary, and that's one route, but you can also work in the pharmaceutical industry, mm-hmm. you can work in research, you can, you know, just having a, a health 
degree of sorts just opens so many doors and so many opportunities for people. Mm. So in many ways, you know, you, you, if you're American and you're, you're looking at um, perhaps uh, looking at the health industry and you don't want to uh, spend seven or eight years, you could certainly come down here, um, do, do your five years, um, get qualified, and then I'm sure um, you'd, you'd go straight back into the States um, and there's a myriad of opportunities that, um, that I think would be would would be within the health sector for you. Obviously, you couldn't um, practice as a pharmacist. You'd have to go and do another couple of years to get you a PharmD if you wanted to practice in America. But um, you know, there's just a lot of options out there, and uh, um, anybody who's entrepreneurial, um, it's it's a masterclass in understanding the health system and, and understanding the opportunities within within the health system. In terms of costs, um, I think a foreign student you might pay. 20, 30k a year um, mm -hmm. down here. It's about 10 to 12 to 15, I think it is. Wow! But uh, you know, so it's 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 reasonably priced. Um, uh, that's significantly less. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I mean, we get paid a whole bunch less than you guys um, in terms of uh, you know the, our profession. But um, you know, it's like you say, a good way to put your toe in the water, see if you like it, um, look at opportunities, and then if you if you're right into it, then um, certainly. You can get come back up to the states, get your degree, or um, you know we have reciprocity with Australia, so uh, you can pop over there and spend four weeks training, and then you're a fully fledged pharmacist over there. So yeah, a lot of opportunities within the sector if, if you're interested in health. Right. You know, also to, I, I want you to take this opportunity to describe the personality, to describe the type of person that's required to be a successful. Uh, a pharmacist because uh, maybe I'll, some people are not sure if it's right for them. They may be interested in health and medicine, but they may not be sure whether maybe being a pharmacist is actually the right profession for them. You know, you know, what would you say would be some you know important characteristics for a person to have in order to be a great pharmacist in your experience? Yeah, so you've got to um, get a lot of people. I think um, people are a big part of your day in pharmacy. Um, you've got to, um, you know, have a, a good, you know, do well at school in terms of getting through the sciences. I think that's pretty important. And, and then just, just a real sense of attention to detail. Um, you know, they say architects, um, if they have a bad day, they, you know, they, they grow some, what is it, ivy over the front of their uh, the building that didn't work out so well and it looks better. But you have a bad day as a pharmacist and it can mean, um, you know, it can seriously impact someone's health or, or even their life. So. You know that, that attention to detail um, is just super important because you know, you know mistakes can happen and, and the consequences can be quite severe when you're dealing about with people's health. So I think you know it, it is. It's about people. It's about attention to detail and uh, and, and you know it is. There's it, a reasonable uh, was a cognitive load, if you will. So you've got to be used to using your brain. And you've also got to love learning because uh, in all the professions, uh, every day you turn up, you've got to learn um, something new. Um, there's a lot of training happens once you've graduated. So you know if, if that's you tick all those boxes, then by all means dive into the profession. For sure, I also would imagine that you probably have to really know how to manage stress very well, uh, just because uh, as you stated, you know there's so much to learn, and you know, and then also you know there's a possibility of 
prescribing the wrong medication, you know, and uh, and then the stress and the consequences behind that. And but obviously, you know, to avoid all of that, uh, you, you can definitely. Uh, it, I think it comes down to also, uh, you know, all, all what you said, including, um, you know, also having good stress management skills. Uh, so a person are, really can be able to mitigate those type of mistakes and really can t t you know put their best forward the best foot forward and you know do their do their job to the best of uh, their ability. And I have here in my hand uh, a bottle of Mito Q five milligrams. Uh, targeted antioxidant. Now I'm very excited to. You know, I'm a big fan of health supplements because you know, I mean, I don't know about New Zealand. I can't speak for your country, Greg, but I can definitely speak for mine. And I can tell you that uh, in the United States, you know, unfortunately, Americans do not get all of their nutrients. Uh, you know, there's there's a, you know there's a, a lot of vitamins that we're not getting. We're getting the synthetic version as opposed to the the authentic version. Uh, there's a lot of minerals we're not getting. Uh, amino acids, we often don't get a full set of amino acids. And there's this thing that's ever more important that's becoming more and more popular in the U.S., and that is antioxidants. And enough of Americans, or, or, or for that matter, people around the world, especially people like in these developing countries, they do not get enough uh, antioxidants also. So um, let's start there. You know, for people who have heard of the name but don't know what it is, what is antioxidant? All right. So, what uh, antioxidants are, uh, uh, you know, compounds that we have in our body and in our diet. And, and what they do, they do is they, they essentially neutralize free radicals, which are kind of the exhaust um, of the metabolic process inside our cells. So, you know, as we're busy getting on living, if, if you imagine it's kind of like a little, um, you know, little engines inside our cells that are running and, and, and powering everything, um, they produce free radicals which are kind of like, like exhaust like out of a car essentially and so the, the body has uh, certain compounds and molecules and, and that it makes itself or comes from the diet that help neutralize those free radicals and prevent them from damaging the cell. Um, free radicals are like little, uh, what are they, they're like little explosive molecules that go around and they, uh, they damage cell components like your DNA and, and other things that are important for the cell to run. So it's really important you have lots of antioxidants um, so that you can, I guess, reduce the uh, the level of damage that these free radicals um, occur. And when we're young, we have plenty of antioxidants in our body naturally, but as we get older, they deplete and uh, the free radicals start to uh, do more and more damage. And, and, and essentially, that is, uh, describes the aging process. Mm. So, so yeah, so you talked about how you know free free radicals kind of exacerbates or kind of you know pr uh, you know enhances the aging process. What you know is that the only thing free radicals do? Do they do other bad things? Let's talk about that. That's a really really good question because uh, everybody tars free radicals with a with the bad brush. You know that you, you want to get rid of your free radicals, but they're actually really important. Um, mm. so, because it's, free radicals are used by the cell to signal um, that things are going wrong or that signal that there's an infection or signal that there's some cancer going on. Um, so so, when, so the, the cell actually uses these free radicals um, in, a, in, a, in a positive way. And, and really what you've got to do is you've got this Goldilocks zone where you've got free radicals doing their thing and, and, and communicating and sending signals around the cell. Um, if you don't have enough free radicals, then that's a bad thing. And if you have too many free radicals, it's a bad thing as well. So there's this nice body lock zone, and and the body is, you know, it's pretty clever. It it uh, it it knows when um, 
it's, it's producing extra free radicals and it, it produces more antioxidants to, to counter that. Mm. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, the, the body uses free radicals to uh, for immunity, for example. So, you know, if we've got an infection going on. Uh, we're learning now that uh, the body actually starts amping up free radical production to try and kill the uh, the bacteria and the virus and, and what have you. Want the full episode? You can get it when you become our premium radio subscriber. Go to reachingthefinishline.com forward slash buy to get your subscription today. What do you get? You get things like early access to the episodes, commercial-free one-hour episodes, mastermind calls with our guests, freebies from our guests, as well as much more. Go to reachingthefinishline.com forward slash buy to get your premium subscription for it's another way for you to start reaching your finish line. It's, it's quite exciting. So, you know, so free radicals get a bad name, but they're actually pretty important to us. And what we're finding now is that uh, people take certain antioxidants and take too much of them that they actually suppress free radical production. Mm. And that that's not a good thing. There's some studies coming out uh, recently and or have done over the last few years showing that people take certain antioxidants have a higher risk of dying from um, cancer and other, other things and, and they think it's because taking too many antioxidants shuts down this free radical signaling process so you know the body's busy pumping out free radicals saying hey look there's a problem here and uh, but, but because the antioxidants are suppressing it uh, the body's not listening it's not getting the messages and it's not doing what it should do so uh, this is we will learn more about this over the next um, I'd say five to ten years but uh, I think that the message that's coming from the, you know, looking at the early research is you want to be careful which antioxidants you take and, uh, and take something called selective antioxidants, which essentially let the normal free radical signaling happen, but shut down the bad free radicals. So, so if we switch to the other side and we talk about too many free radicals, and, and that's what happens when the body is dealing with some chronic stress or a chronic health issue, and it starts to produce too many free radicals chronically and that's when you start to get damage uh, and it's when the body can't handle um, ha- handle the overproduction of free radicals and that's when you need an antioxidant and uh, the, the trick is working out which antioxidant to take of course wow it, wow that was that was that was mind-blowing I, I didn't even know personally I didn't even know that free radicals can also be good in some respects you know I've always thought it was bad so that you know definitely uh, happy to you know, happy to have you on. You know, spe- you know, talk talk about these things like this. Let's let's get into your product, uh, MidtoQ. Um, how long was it before you start? I mean, I, I know you a farm. I know you've been a pharmacist for quite a bit of time. But how you know? At what point did you say you know what you know? Uh, you kind of saw the potential in this, and you thought it would be a great product to offer to the marketplace to really increase awareness and help people be healthier by really kind of increasing their antioxidants. You know, when did you start MentoQ, and what was the inspiration behind it? All right, so Kevin, I'm, I would love to say I'm the uh, brains behind the, uh, the, the the discovery of MitoQ, but I'm not. It, it, it was down to a couple of very, very smart uh, scientists out of Otago University. They um, were looking at diseases, and they were looking at why antioxidants didn't live up to their potential, because you know we know that there is a lot of free radical stress with different diseases. We, we give them give people antioxidants and, and, it, and you know in theory they should be working but for some reason they weren't working like they should mm. and so 
the, the, they started to look at where the source of free radicals are in the cell, and the, the source of free radicals are mitochondria. Mitochondria are tiny little organelles in our cells, and they, they take the food we eat and the air we breathe, and they convert it into a type of energy that the cell can use. And they're, they're really fascinating little organelles that, that are actually bacteria that um, got started working with our cells about a billion years ago, and uh, essentially... Um, did a deal with our cells and said, hey, look, we'll provide the energy if you guys provide a nice, warm, safe place for us to live. And, and that, uh, that, that uh, relationship has driven uh, a lot of uh, the, I guess, evolution, if you will, um, from, you know, like pond scum, essentially, to the complex animals that we see in the world today. So these mitochondria, um, in the process of making energy, they are the guys that make the free radicals in the cell. They make about 90, 95% of the free radicals. So what the guys did at Otago is they asked the question, like, what if we could get antioxidants inside the mitochondria? What would happen? And uh, mitochondria are really difficult little things to get any kind of compounds through because they've got, they're like a sealed battery. It's just it's really difficult to get anything in. And, and in fact, they make their own antioxidants inside the mitochondria just for the simple reason that it's very difficult to get antioxidants across the uh, mitochondrial membrane. So they looked at it. They looked at the main antioxidant inside mitochondria, and the main antioxidant inside mitochondria is something called CoQ10, which you may be familiar with. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a really uh, popular antioxidant that people take um, typically for energy and and, and, and what have you. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, when you take oral CoQ10, it, it can't get into the mitochondria where it's needed. If you imagine CoQ10, it's like a it's like a truck, you know, in terms of the size of the molecule, it's a big one. It's oily, it's it's large, it's it's actually designed to sit inside a membrane, it's not designed to cross a membrane. Mm. And so when you take CoQ10, you get a bit in your bloodstream, but you don't get much in your cells and you certainly don't get much in your mitochondria where it's needed. Um you, you imagine trying to park a truck in a, in a, in a garage through a mouse hole. That's, that's kind of the, the problem you've got when you're trying to get CoQ10 into the mitochondria. I see. So the, yeah, so the guys that, um, that came up with MitoQ and the concept, they worked out um, that mitochondria are negatively charged on the inside, and, and, and so they thought, well, why don't we put a positive charge on, uh, on, on, on CoQ10? And what they found was that when they did that, because it's a positive charge, and the negative charge, and it's like a battery or like a mag, sorry, a magnet. It literally attracts the new the, the mitoq into the mitochondria. So they actually solved the solved a complex uh, a complex way of sorry they they solved the problem essentially of getting antioxidants into the mitochondria by attaching this positive charge. So that was the idea. They uh, it was unique. They've gone off, and we've got about thirty nine patents around the world mm. for this technology. Um, and, I, and that was about 15 years ago, um, and I got involved in the business um, four, five years ago now. I see. Um, yeah, and, and the reason I got involved was when you look uh, at how fundamental mitochondria are to our health and how well our cells work and our organs work, when, when, you, when, you, when you understand that and you understand that this is the first time anybody's been able to get antioxidants into mitochondria, and then you look at the research that had been done. So these guys went off and they've spent well over $50 million on the research on this and we've evaluated it across 70 different disease models and conditions. We've evaluated it and published 
essentially, when you get your mitochondria working properly, then it has a really significant effect on the cell, and that leads into better cell health, better organ health, and better better overall health. You definitely have a uh, you know uh, several supplements uh, 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 under the meat uh, uh, Q product line, and uh, here I have the targeted uh, antioxidant. Uh, you talk on the label it speaks about how it supports heart, liver, and brain health. Let's talk about that. What does it actually do? that helps the heart, liver, and brain? I mean, perhaps maybe, I mean, it may take, take you a while to explain, but maybe if we could just focus on brain health, you know, how does it really uh, support and improve brain health? All right, so mitochondria are in every single cell in our body, with one exception, that's red blood cells. So mm -hmm. essentially, they're everywhere. And, and if, if we uh, counted up the number of mitochondria in, in our, our cells, that it's in the trillions. We have, like, you know, I think, uh, anything from you know 20 to 30 mitochondria in a cell up to a thousand mitochondria in a cell and the, each of the organs have different levels and, and quantities and that's it all comes down to how much energy that that organ requires so your heart your liver your brain these are your always on organs these organs are working 24 7 for your entire life and they are, they're working hard so they require a bunch of bunch of mitochondria so if we're talking about the brain there is I mean, there is—it's just teeming with mitochondria. There, um, I think, if, if you, you you did the math or you weighed uh, someone, right, you're about twenty percent mitochondria. Mm. So you know, you, we're a lot of mitochondria. And if we, if you went out into the desert and unfortunately you died and you you got all dried out, you, and someone came along and weighed you and then worked out what parts of you are mitochondria and what are not, it's fifty percent of your dry weight are mitochondria. So that's how important they are. That's how how critical and, and, and integral they are to our bodies and, and how they run. As we come to a close, Greg, if people want to follow you, get in contact with you, or perhaps buy your products, how do you do that? All right, thanks, Caitlin. So, yeah, people, if they want to learn a little more about MitoQ, you just need to come through to www.mitoq, which is M-I-T-O-Q.com. Um, we've got a bunch of information there that people can read, um, and, and a whole lot of uh, e-books as well. So if people want to you know, learn a little bit more about the science behind our product and, and how important mitochondria are to their health, then uh, we've got a fantastic resource there. And from there, they can make a decision as to whether they want to try the products. Great. Greg, thank you for being our guest. Thank you for listening. Just another great episode by Callan Diggs, best-selling author and career strategist as seen at Fast Company and Inc. Magazine. If you're not on an email list, you're missing out. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and subscribe to get all the exclusives.